0: Touchdown at 10. Oh, wait. There was even more to throw out there from a football perspective.
1: Wait, what's that? Um, football?
0: The team released huh? their start. The, the, the big free agent signing from last year? Yeah. The team released that guy yesterday. Ah, Command- what?
1: Commander yeah. Carson. Give me
0: one! And maybe, maybe, I don't want to say surprising, but in another move, Bobby McCain also jettisoned. But as I explained, it was on... Um, You know, I was talking to uh, Kyle, Mike, and Mike on their podcast yesterday. The safety depth, the emergence of Defoe probably made Bobby McCain expendable. Yeah. I think they're pretty satisfied, you know, and I don't know if Bobby wants to continue to be a part-time player, though I do believe the role that they asked Bobby to play last year. I didn't think he was bad. No, no. In the role that they asked him to play, I just think with their safety depth being what it is, and eventually, oh wait, eventually they got to get a deal done with Cam Curl too.
1: Right. Well, he also played some slot corner too, mm-hmm. plenty of it. So I don't have the uh, the, all so, the breakdowns of of what snaps. He I mean, played,
0: essentially, but- essentially, right now with those two cost savings, mm-hmm. I think the Commanders. I I saw the list like seventh most money now like 35.5 available for free agency yeah
1: well it it so so there's a couple of things real quickly at play here it de- kind of depends on whether they take a June 1st post cut exemption for Bobby McCain they can save um uh, so so this is according to overthecap.com 28.49 million in cap savings right now and over 30.5 million in cash for the team. Which is important because, again, the team allegedly is working on a short cash flow budget. It could be more in cap savings this year. Uh, if they choose a post-June 1st designation, they would save $4.42 million against the cap this year. Right now, it's $2.32 million on the salary cap until they make it official which one they're choosing now why this is important if you post june 1st at which they did with Landon collins you save more money this year against this year's cap Mm -hmm. but you can't use that money until after june 1st so basically there would be about a two million dollar gap that they can't use which is not a huge significant thing but again they can save more this year for bobby mccain specifically if they post designate the June 1st thing, if they just take the cap hit at all this year, it's two point three two million. Now, one other quick note that I would I, I would I would point out. you said uh, you you said it's like 30 uh, where is it here in my notes? Uh, like point four million is what I have according to overthecap.com. Again, it could be slightly more. There could be more cuts coming, too. I mean, we don't know about Andrew Norwell. Chase Roulier's situation Logan is Thomas obviously is Logan Thomas. is one that Thomas, people absolutely. try to
0: focus in on.
1: Absolutely. I don't think many people talked about Bobby McCain because Bobby McCain didn't stick out like a sore thumb. But like you said, because of the emergence of Derek Forrest, who we know had a great emergence year or year of emergence, I should say, along with Cam Curl. And we know what kind of impact he made. And think about this. Jeremy Reeves, while a pro bowler at special teams, he's also a safety. And they have they drafted Percy Butler in the fourth round. So really, they, they're basically saying, look, Bobby McCain is a versatile weapon in that he can drop down and play slot corner. He can play safety. Uh, he doesn't make a ton of money, but he's kind of getting up there a little bit in age. He's a little bit undersized. We have all these pieces. Here's the problem that I thought of. They don't have right now a slot corner under contract outside of Rashad Wild Goose and Tariq Castro Fields. And here's what I mean by that. Danny Johnson is right now not under contract. Mm -hmm. He's a free agent. It's one of the reasons
0: why we talk about them maybe being in the Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr. business in that middle part of the first round of the draft.
1: Because you now they started last offseason working Benjamin St. Just in the slot. We don't think they're going to go back there because it didn't really work. And out of necessity, because William Jackson Third was so awful, they had to go Benjamin St. Juice back outside. Now, could they draft a guy high in the first round, second round in the draft or sign a free agent corner and, again, move St. Juice inside? They could. Could they decide, for whatever reason, after resisting it for much of the last three years, Put Kendall Fuller inside, they could. Uh, So they could do a couple of different, or they could just re-sign Danny Johnson, who played inside and outside last year, but is primarily, I would say primarily, more of a slot corner than an outside corner. But that's the one area now that you say, okay, without Bobby McCain, you lose a body on the safety side. I think you can absorb that a little bit easier than you can per se at corner until Danny Johnson re- resigns, and maybe he won't. I don't know. Maybe Danny Johnson will get a, a lot more of a look elsewhere. Maybe he wants to play the mark. I have no idea. Remember, Danny Johnson was cut by this team yes. at the end of August, so he might not be so loyal to returning to the Commanders.
0: Perhaps he follows Chris Harris to his new destination.
1: Ah. They have some corner issues there. I'm just as saying, well. Chris Good Harris, point. a guy that
0: probably deserves some credit for the development of Danny Johnson and making him a better Good player. Point. By the way, have they Appreciate hired
1: it. a defensive backs coach? They haven't made that announcement, have they? No, no. I mean, they have like some in-house guys like Richard Rogers and Wieselmeyer. Uh, but again, what the
0: hell is Ron supposed to do? Not know. Ron can't. Ron may not be able to offer these guys a, a you know, a a significant salary, and they don't know where that paycheck's coming from. I mean, you talk about instability galore. You mean coaches?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, but I mean, how much money would an in-house promotion of Wieselmeyer or Richard Rogers cost? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I mean, I mean still. We're not even talking Eric enemy money here.
0: I mean, uh, cycle back on Payne. His I mean, tag, I, Payne's tag is 18.9. Okay. His market value is...
1: Where was I coming up with the nineteen point four?
0: I don't know, but the the tag is eighteen nine.
1: Maybe that's Chase. His market
0: value, his market value is nineteen and a half. To me, that's not a great difference. And as far as I'm concerned, if if that's where the market value is, somewhere in nineteen and a half, I can't believe that they're that far apart. To get back to your question that we finished with at the last hour, I can't believe these two sides are that far apart if they're willing to tag him for literally something is close that that's so close to his market value. Are right, Washington- market
1: value you're using spot track mm-hmm. for the market value for the calculated market yeah. value? Right? Okay. What? It- l- let me bounce this off of you because you make a fair point. What if the agent's asking for twenty-two million per
0: year? Well, you tell him to go fly a kite and you meet somewhere in the middle.
1: Okay, but maybe that's why. My question comes into play. Okay, if just because Spot Track no, calculates a no, no, no. market I, value I, I at nineteen and Look, a half based if, on whatever metrics hey, they use if doesn't mean somebody the agent's wants ask to
0: that. offer him twenty two million and take up probably almost ten percent of their cap mm-hmm. with a defensive tackle. That's, n- I mean, Duran is excellent, but was he? Is he? Was he affecting games like Aaron Donald was no. at his peak? No. But
1: maybe he maybe he'll get there.
0: He could. He's only twenty five.
1: I mean, to your point, right?
0: But that's where Ron Rivera's that's where Ron Rivera's football acumen has to take over. Yeah. What and, if you're
1: D'Amico Ryan's and you're a defensive guy and you're like, Oh, you know you'd what? love to have
0: a guy like that. Right.
1: You'd love to have a guy and like then that. Then maybe I would and they over, got some money. maybe I, mean, they, I would overpay for that. Uh I, yeah, if, if given the opportunity, I'm just, I guess I'm just pointing out uh, that that's what I'm saying. I, mean, I I'm understand just... where you're coming from, but, but if the agent, and I have no idea if the agent is saying, look, in order to get me to sign long-term with an ascending player, a mm-hmm. big time ascending player with all the things that we've talked about, youth, durability, all that big time ascending, I mean, 11 and a half sacks for a defensive tackle just doesn't happen every year. Okay. It just doesn't, Um it's going to take me more than twenty million to make that kind of commitment. A four or five years, I need twenty one. I need twenty two on average. I need the biggest guarantee, fully guaranteed sum. I need, and I don't know what Aaron Donald's contract is. I know they reworked it and whatever, and 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 gave him a sweetener after the Super Bowl. I would have to kind of sit down and figure all that out. But let's just say. They say, in order to sign a long-term deal, we need, s- we need 65 fully guaranteed. Fully guaranteed. Again, there's a difference between guarantees and fully guaranteed. That's Six- twice as I- much as I John know. Allen got. I know. But it's also two years later, and John Allen never got to 11 and a half sacks, did he? Before he signed his contract, but Not John that. Allen wasn't also a free agent. John, Al- there is a difference, and if I'm Deron Payne's agent, I'm using this as my leverage. There's a huge difference between Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. You didn't let Jonathan Allen get to free agency. You let my guy get to free agency. You see what I'm getting yeah. at? Yeah, it's a There's point. A, there, and, and 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 this is this was kind of my argument with the whole Kirk Cousins thing. And I understand there was a in 2015 there was a limited. Base of knowledge about Kirk Cousins, but once you let somebody get to free agency, it's a different ball of wax, a different argument, a different platform than if you're trying to re-sign one of your guys a year before their contract. Aaron expires. Donald
0: is 11.54 percent of the Rams' cap right
1: now. Okay, so what if I'm asking? His base
0: is 13.5, and he's got signing bonus of eight and a restriction a restructured bonus of 4.5 attached to it. So essentially. 20, he's 25 and a half 26 million
1: that's what he costs under the cap this year what if what if whatever structure Jeron Payne's guy is asking for what what you say is 11 and a half percent of the Rams cap mm-hmm. what if he what if however they compute all this stuff what if he's asking for 13 percent of the cap
0: can't do it it's too high
1: okay so then the team says listen buddy we'd like to take care of you. Maybe the ownership is one of the excuses that they're giving or reasons that they're giving. I shouldn't say excuses. But what if it's also I mean, the the, we just point, don't want we just right. don't want to pay that much?
0: John Allen is the highest percentage of the cap at nine point three one, paying a second with the tag now at eight point two two. So they got seventeen maybe
1: my number of thirteen 17 is ridiculous.
0: And half, seventeen and a half percent of their cap is tied up with with two defensive tackles right. at minimum right now right. going into the season, which to me, A, makes it even more likely that unless somehow one of these other quarterbacks came in on the cheap, you're definitely going with Howe. Yeah. Okay? Because he's super cheap.
1: And you might not – again, I keep saying this, and I know Ron kind of alluded to it finally. We've been talking about this since October of last year on this show. There's no way I'm going fully guaranteed with Chase Young next year. You
0: know who your fifth-highest – Never mind
1: this year, next year.
0: You know who your fifth-highest-paid player is on this team right now? And I think this is a guy that – Kendall Fuller? No, he's sixth. Oh, Chase Roulier. oh yeah, I mean, dead cap eight point right. one cap hit would be twelve point two if you jettisoned him.
1: The cap, the dead cap hit.
0: The dead cap is eight point one.
1: And if you kept him, it
0: would be twelve. He's he's twelve point five on your twelve point four on your cap this okay. year. Okay,
1: but it, but the dead cap hit would be 8.4. point 8.
0: one.
1: Eight point one. So you'd be saving roughly about four and a half million dollars somewhere in that range. But you'd be adding, all right, here, here's one more for you. Remember, because they cut William or because they traded William Jackson, mm-hmm. they were gonna cut him. He counts nine million dollars in dead cap money this year. Okay. Landon Collins, because they took the post June first transaction, he counts in dead money just over five million against the cap this year. Bobby McCain, right now, counts two point eight million dollars in dead money. Right now, this moment, as of this moment, they have almost seventeen million dollars in dead cap money. If you add another four and a half million with Chase Roulier, if you add whatever Logan Thomas is, is say they cut him, I uh, maybe some people have suggested maybe moving on from Kendall Fuller. I I don't know, but. Luckily, they got away with Thomas's the cap.
0: Thomas's eight point six against your cap. Dead cap would be three point five.
1: Okay, so so let let's just say Norwell would be
0: roughly two point two ish.
1: Let's just say it's reasonable to say that at some point here they might be holding about twenty million dollars worth of dead cap money.
0: So how does that affect? Does that number make sense yes. to you? Yes, based on the math you right. were giving. So how does that direct? How does that directly affect a potential? Long-term deal with pain that starts, has to start
1: minimum 19 and change this year. Well, actually, it's a good question, but I I think I have the answer to that. If you're holding about $20 million of a $225 million salary cap in dead money, again, that cash has already been paid Mm -hmm. out. It's not a cash flow thing. It's a cap thing. So you got twenty million of two twenty five, right? So that essentially reduces you to about two oh five.
0: Okay, you almost put all of his first year money in a bonus.
1: Well, yes, but but for Deron Payne, if you can work out a long term deal, and that's a huge if, it would actually most teams, almost all teams, unless they have an inordinate amount of cap space, would severely lower that number from what it's going to cost right now 19 million down to say year 1 of the deal might be 5 million against the cap uh you know uh, uh the, the prorated signing bonus and maybe a small base salary and then year 2 that's would what jump Terry, up
0: that's what Terry, McLaur- Terry McLaurin right. this year is his base salary is only 2 million right but so because that's of what his teams signing bonus time. his signing bonus is 5 6 his roster bonus is 2.8 right so again it's creative financing that's That's eight point four million dollars in non-base salary in McLaurin that keeps the base salary number low. Yeah, I mean, I mean, somehow, somehow, some way, these
1: guys have to get paid, and you you eventually have to pay for it. the The thing is, is do you pay for it on against your cap in year one or year two and three, and and that's generally what most teams choose to do. Why? Because the cap always goes up. Right? I mean, if it's two twenty five this year, it's probably gonna be two forty next year.
0: Would it shock you if I told you and you I know you know this, but do you know that Tressway is gonna pwn Sam Howell in terms of salary this year? Oh
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Our quarterback's gonna be making eight hundred and seventy thousand yeah, dollars. And and if he has a good year, everyone's gonna scream how unfair it is to Sam Howell that he's making Less than a million dollars. Well, don't be a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Well, that's not his choice. I'm but just here, saying, do a fifth-round pick. I only care about the salary cap, and mm-hmm. I know everybody says you can easily move around money. Guess what? At some point, you pay the price. Yeah, sure. At some point, you pay the price. Well, that's what the Rams the are doing. Ra- absolutely. The, the Rams, it's going to cost them Jalen Ramsey, not that he had a good year last year, and Bobby Wagner, who did have a good year last year. Mm-hmm. It's going to cost them all of that and more. Okay. But any, they want to, any
0: any interest in Bobby Wagner?
1: Uh, yes. I don't know if he's interested, but maybe he would be. And I don't know what cost and what structure and he's all that. Call,
0: I mean, his dead cap hit to the Rams is seven point five.
1: Yeah. I mean, some teams don't even don't even like blink at, at to your point dead cap to charges your point. of cup like cup is number one
0: there. At twelve point three part of their cap, Donald is second at eleven point five. Ramsey third at eleven point one percent of their cap. Yeah. So they got three guys, mm-hmm. and really four. Leonard Floyd is almost ten percent of their cap. Where's this year. Stafford on that? Uh, right behind Floyd. He's Ooh. fifth, eight point that,
1: eight. That, that's unusual for a quarterback to if count. If you that low. cut
0: Matt Stafford this year, you know what his dead cap hit is. Uh, and this is with a base salary this year of one point five million. I would guess forty million. of delicious dead cap for a quarterback that's broken.
1: I mean, Howie Howie Roseman once chose to wanted Carson Wentz out so bad that he swallowed a $34 million dead cap hit. Yes. There's a big difference between 34 and 49. $49. 49 49.5
0: million dollars. Wow. Coming up, they're playing their best basketball of the season right now. George Mason coach Kim English joins us for a few minutes coming up right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. George Mason certainly jumped on Sunday at Dayton. Big road win for Kim English's club. They're playing their best basketball of the season right now in a massive, and I do mean massive 8-10. Chris, there's 16 teams now in the Atlantic 10. Just like there's like 14 in the Big 10, I think, or yeah, 14 in the Big 10 now. There's 16 in the Atlantic 10. Talk about branding issues, you know? Maybe we should call it the, that because that, that teams that, that league is not even Atlantic anymore. You know why? St. Louis is in the Atlantic Ten. There's nothing Atlantic about St. Louis. I know you're challenged geography wise, but even you have to admit St. Louis has nothing to do with the Atlantic Ocean, the Atlantic seaboard, the Eastern seaboard. Correct. Correct. Turn your mic. on. Correct. Yes. It's a radio show. Yes. Can't hear you it if is. you don't turn your mic on.
1: Sorry, I was distracted reading uh, an email from the big boss. Oh, I saw. Yeah, we saw that. We saw that. We'll get back to the Dan Snyder uh, stuff and and the legal issues, and I think we have a good burning question that we're going to ask the audience for the calls at 301-230-0980 coming up Um, because it is a very difficult topic to kind of navigate and work, but Kim English is going to join us here. Uh, the head coach, like you said, of George Mason basketball, um, which, you know, I, 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 again, he, like you said, you know, kind of a, a, a huge win the other day uh, in uh, in Dayton uh, in a hostile atmosphere as we approach March Madness. And, and look at that. Look yep. at that.
0: How punctual is Kim English? Yep, Right on time. In fact, he was early. Kim English was... Sixty seconds early. That's what we like about it. That's, that's what a head coach does. Coach coach demands his players right. be early. If you're not if you're
1: early, you're not late. Right. Wh- what did Tom Coughlin used to say? If you were five minutes early, you were late. Yes, sir. <laughs>
0: Pleased to be joined now by the head coach of the George Mason Patriots, Kim English. Kim Pete and Chris here in DC. Appreciate a few minutes today. How are you, coach?
2: Hey guys, I'm, I'm doing well. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing
1: good, Coach. It's been a little while since we've had uh, a chance to catch up, but no time like the better, right? A four-game winning streak, and you guys kick some uh, some behind on the road on Saturday.
2: Yeah, it was the uh, guys are coming together, you know, hopefully at the right time of the year. Um, it was a good win for us Saturday in Dayton, and um but that win means nothing, you know. We don't don't don't, don't follow it up, uh, you know, on tomorrow night at seven against uh, Fordham.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And look, let's face it, Coach. I mean, your league, I I think the A-10, maybe, is especially with teams like Fordham doing what they're doing uh, this season and building off of even some of the momentum they established last year, I'm not sure the league's been deeper. And when you go into a 16-team tournament uh, coming up, you can be playing your best basketball of the year right now and still you know, get upended by a good opponent. What has allowed your team to come together, be connected here uh, at the right time of the year?
2: You know, I think it's just been, you know, humanity. You know, the guys have been um, just getting more connected into each other, finding ways to play for each other. And I think, you know, through a season of, you know, lessons, um, you do learn from them. And, you know, you know, I'd like to think they make you more disciplined. And my um, guys have been executing at a higher clip as of late, you know, now three straight games with a really low turnover total, mm-hmm. um, which has been kind of one of our Achilles heels, yeah, you man. know, ball security and free throw. So three straight games with eight, seven and eight turnovers. And, um, you know, it's, no accident you win when you can find a way to get a shot on goal.
1: I'm glad you mentioned that, Coach, because I uh, talk about that with the Wizards all the time, right? I mean, uh, you know, when, when they turn the ball over, let's say 12 times or less, they generally win, right? Because yeah. you're not wasting opportunities. What wh- When your team is struggling in that area, and then when it improves in that area, as you just chronicled, what is the difference in your eyes? Is is it a teaching point that you were able to finally get through to them, or is it just simply playing <laughs> more, like you said, connected?
2: Yeah, discipline. Di- like discipline is everything. It's 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 choosing a single over swinging for the fences. Mm. You know, mm. because and the 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 consequences of turnovers, and especially a lot ball turnovers. Um, pretty catastrophic, you know, because your defense is not built to play transition. Transition defense is hard enough as it is. You know, offenses are their best in the first seven seconds, you know, but if you're making that off of a steal, it's 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 like an interception in football. You know, you don't practice that. You don't practice playing that type of defense. Um, you know, so it, it just helps you. You know, you, you take good shots. Everyone knows when the shot's going up. You get a much better opportunity to offensive rebound, get set up in transition. And if it goes through the net, great. You you can really get set up. So turnovers are a sin. They're a sinful sin.
0: Coach, people don't realize making shots is almost as important part of your defense as anything because – you don't have to necessarily uh, get back and be scattered in transition after made buckets. You just mentioned you have a chance uh, to get back a- and get set up. Down the stretch the other day, the thing that I-, I thought was most impressive about your club in that environment, you know how great of an environment Dayton can be yeah. uh, to play in. You're getting offense from multiple guys. You know, certainly Josh going to be the focus. The ball is going to play through him a lot. But you were getting offense from a lot of guys. You're playing without Victor right now. Just thoughts on the way different guys are stepping up, especially willing to take big shots in that environment. Because when the building is quiet, you're only playing in front of 3,500. That's one thing. That place is yeah. packed there, though, and that's a different environment to try and take big shots.
2: No, it's as good as it. It's as good as an environment as it is in college basketball. You know, I think Fog Allen Fieldhouse, obviously Cameron. I think Purdue, Mackey, you know, you think McHale, Arizona, um UD Arena is it is as good as an environment as it is in college basketball. And we were out Josh for the latter part of the game, We he got his fifth foul. Yeah. And um we like to say the go to guy on our open the go to guy on our team is the open man. Obviously, Josh gets a a, 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 he's at a very high usage rate. Um, Ronald Polite's usage is 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 going up. Davon Cooper was really huge for us Mm -hmm. late in that game. Um, Everyone everyone made huge plays late, um, you know, to secure the win.
1: Uh, Kim English with us, the head coach of the George Mason Patriots. Go check him out tomorrow night, uh, senior night, at uh, Ford, uh, against Fordham, I should say. Uh, right? Yeah, tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Uh, I was thinking today was Monday for whatever reason. Wednesday yeah. night at 7 in Fairfax, of course, at Eagle Bank Arena uh, for, again, senior night against a good Fordham team, 11-5. and five. They are in the A-10. And, of course, uh, Mason, again, 17-12, and 9-7 in the conference, riding that four-game winning streak and off of the big win uh, at Dayton. So, Here's what I wanted to ask, and this is maybe more of a big-picture question. You're a year and a half into your tenure. Uh, you know, we talked to you several times, obviously, last year as you were trying to put your stamp on the program. Now that you've had some time, perspective, you're almost through two regular seasons, if you will. Was there a challenge that maybe you weren't thinking that you've had to cross and bear?
2: or um, You or- know, I think that there are always some things that arise that aren't. You know, in the in the head coaching manual, mm-hmm. you know that 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 happened. That you just have to rely on your instincts, rely on the help of your administration, your your staff, and other people. You know, have um, that have you know been through it. But you know, the, the challenge is daily. You know, Shaka Smart has a great line. He says, "We're with our our, our players, you know, our kids. We're we're fighting for their hearts and minds every day, mm. um, every hour." We're fighting for their hearts and minds, and that's been a challenge, you know, is to, you know, through some adversity, which is normal when you're building a program, building, um, you know, your program, your habits, your system. Right. You know, keeping their hearts and minds galvanized um, every day, every hour, you know, and, uh, you know, because there's a lot of distractions for young people um, today. And keeping them focused and locked in to the task at hand is is really important. Kim, do you feel like you have to
0: almost recruit your players every day and reiterate to them how important they are to your program based on the challenges you just mentioned? I mean, all Mm -hmm. it takes is for one hanger on, you know, when a guy's not getting many minutes over a four- or five-game stretch to say, hey, you know – there's 350 other Division One teams you could go uh, play for. Do you almost you and your staff almost have a role to you know show guys, hey, we appreciate the effort you're putting in. You know, you're a big no, part I don't of our look program.
2: At it. It, 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 it is recruit. It, it is, I mean, it, you can call it that. I, 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 I wouldn't. You know, I, I think it's retention is mm-hmm. obviously a big part of everything in life. You know, if I owned a, a condo building. You know, I had tenants, you know, I'd care much more about keeping my current tenants than going out to find new ones. Um, it's not recruiting them. I'd say it's loving them. We, we love them and we love them through all their different situations on a 13, a team with 13 scholarship players, 15 roster players, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's different. You know, Josh Adaro plays a lot of minutes and a lot of wear and tear versus, you know, Blake Jones and Elvis Najee who, don't play as much. You know, Genico Giaco was a very good player. Came in from Virginia Tech. His minutes fluctuate, keeping him engaged and locked in and playing better and, you know, encouraged for when the keys are his, if Josh is gone, you know, so it's, it's, I have never in my time lost a player that I I didn't want to lose. And I say that knock on wood in my eight years of coaching, i have (laughs) not lost a player to transfer that I Mm -hmm. didn't want to lose. Mm. Um, and I think it's just because you, you treat them the right way. Um, you know, you show them. Um, they feel it. They, they feel the love. They feel the plan, the development plan. And that they see their teammates improve. Ronald Polite, Malik Henry, I mean, they've gotten so much better since they, 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 they came to Mason. And um, Josh Oduro and Justin Fernandez throughout this season. Devontae Gaines from Tennessee to here. Like, all these guys are improving. And um, I think as, as long as you're getting better as a player, you feel good and you don't lose hope.
1: No doubt about it. Coach Kim English with us, head coach of George Mason on the four-game winning streak after the big pull-away win over Dayton on the road on Saturday, again, home for senior night tomorrow night uh, at Bank Arena, 7 o'clock against Fordham. Um, so you mentioned the turnovers as being the one thing that you feel like has kind of led uh, to the four-game winning streak and from the struggles maybe earlier. So now that you have the streak, the big win on the road, you're home, maybe a like your 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 guys maybe exhale a little bit, but sometimes that leads to a flat start. How do you shape and preach the message guys we can't we can't be sloppy and we can't think we have it made, but have it mean and have them listen to you, have them buy into that other than yeah, 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 coach speak
2: no, it's not I mean our guys are players are smart, you know, players are smart um. Fordham's gonna be our best home opponent this season. Mm-hmm. I mean we, we, we didn't get DCU, we didn't get Saint Louis. True, yeah. We didn't get Dayton at home, we didn't get Duquesne at home. Fordham is our biggest home opponent this season. Um we are both still battling and fighting for a top four finish in the league. It's senior night. So there there, there are a lot of uh storylines and superlatives that our guys understand. This isn't no this this isn't a game I'm gonna have to get them up for. This is a huge game, you know, with implications in March. And it's a privilege to be playing meaningful games in March, you know, fighting for a double bye in a conference tournament, you know, still trying to, you know, give yourself the best chance to win four or or, or three games in Brooklyn to extend your season. So um, it's a privilege to be playing meaningful games this time of year. And I, I don't for a second think our guys won't be ready.
0: Yeah, I know Darius Quisenberry and company are going to be a tough out tomorrow night. They've, I mean, what Fordham has done with their program has been tremendous. I mean, a long-time doormat in this league. They've really, really stepped things up and have become a formidable opponent. Coach, I want to talk to you real quick here before we let you go. Uh, tremendous thread from you this morning about the environment you went and watched last night uh, in the WCAC championship game and the fact that we have – I think the sportsmanship element – of our game at times is challenged right now in some places at times. Last night, I'm not sure you could have found a better environment, as you talked about, in the WCAC with what uh, Coach Behan is doing over at uh, St. John's, uh, persevering through illness, uh, showing a ton of courage. But also, the sportsmanship that Paul VI showed in the face of adversity and technically, it was in defeat. I'm not sure there were any losers because of the quality of that no. game uh, last night. But uh, just why why putting those thoughts down? And, and I hope people read them because I do believe there's an element of our game right now that is challenged from a sportsmanship standpoint.
2: Yeah, no, I've I've actually been off the social media for the vast majority of this season. Um, you know, I got on a few maybe a week ago. I wanted to put out some stuff to honor our seniors and. I you know, kind of encourage our fan base to show up to the game, so I've kind of been back on social media a little bit. Not a lot, but um, last night was incredible. It was – and if you know that, obviously, Coach Dean's battle with ALS and all he's doing, if you even go deeper, Glenn Forello, every single coach that went through Paul the Six this fall to watch their team practice – Um. Coach Ferrello stopped and stopped his practice and spoke to every coach and talked about what Pat's going through, talked about the Being Strong initiative and raising money for him to, to, to continue his fight. And he got emotional many times. I've seen him get emotional many times when he did this talk. He went even further. A bunch of local coaches, you know, we all put up a bunch of money and, and had a dinner you know, to honor Pat um, in Alexandria. And all the money went to Pat, uh, maybe 20 some thousand dollars to help him mm. with his fight. And this is a rival coach, right? But it was so much bigger than basketball season. And it was just, it was kind of storybook that they end up playing against each other in the final. Like all Coach Forello has done to help Coach Bean because he's one of us, he's a coach. And I see the entire bender arena crowd stand up to give the wcac coach of the year pat being a round of a standing ovation when he won the coach of the year award uh we were treated with an incredible game with two tough talented hard playing teams i mean the, the division one players abound shot making athletic finishes at the rim. Diving on the floor, char- just a it was the best high school game I've ever seen. It was the best high school game I've ever seen. Mm. Um, and as the horn sounded, game-winning basket by a guard from St. John's, miss game winner from Paul the Six, and to see Pat Staff embrace him and hug him, and then in the handshake line, Paul the Six coaches have to deal with the tears of their own players, but. Glenn Ferrello was waiting for Pat at half court with his arms wide open and gave him the biggest embrace. And then Lamar Butler, I mean, Phil Hubbard, down the line, all those coaches just giving Pat the biggest hug. It, it, it was a I, – I, I mean, I hope it's being documented. I was honored to be in the building that night and just witness it. It was it was an incredible game it was one of the best things that I've ever seen you know sport out of sport it was it was it was it was um it was tremendous
0: coach appreciate you uh sharing that with us so I, I wanted to make sure to get that out there um and obviously we know we're right in the hotbed of the mm-hmm. best basketball in the world uh in the world. there's no doubt about it uh, right here in the nation's capital appreciate a few minutes today best of luck uh, against the Rams and then obviously in the Atlantic 10 tournament as well appreciate a few minutes this morning
2: Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks, Coach. Kim English
0: joining us, the head coach at George Mason. They're playing their best basketball, and they get, look, if you're trying to find a good game Mm -hmm. tomorrow night, uh, this is going to be as good a game as there is in the area. Uh, I mean, Quisenberry for – Fordham is terrific. Uh, their point guard Kyle Rose is from Upper Marlboro, so it's a good Fordham team coming in at twenty-three and six uh, tomorrow night over at Eagle Bank I Arena. I can
1: find myself over there tomorrow night. You, I I don't. You, we I, know I don't people. Think I have a podcast. We do know people. Good thanks one to, tonight uh, here in town. Patriot to Mark, League Zach tournament starts everybody tonight over at Mason.
0: Richard Montgomery yeah. graduate Nathan Davis leads Bucknell as the ten seed with Andre Screen from Saint Stephen Saint Agnes, the seven foot one center. Going up against American in the first round, the winner, oh, guess where they go on Thursday night? They come see Pedro over in Annapolis. The number two seed, Navy Midshipman. Congratulations to Falls Church's Daniel Deaver, first team All-Patriot League yesterday. Chris has a look at what's trending.
1: All right, we have breaking news on the commander's front. Wait a minute. More? Yes! Yet another story? Yes. We were just talking about this less than an hour ago. Who's going to be the new defensive backs coach? Somebody in-house? One of the guys we mentioned <laughs> is the new defensive backs coach, according to Nikki Jabala of the Washington Post. Brent Wieselmeyer go. is going to replace – Uh, Chris Harris, who left for Tennessee. Meanwhile, John Keim of ESPN says offensive staff announcements could be coming as early as today and perhaps soon as the Combine kicks into full gear with workouts coming later on this week. But all the meetings, interviews, measurements, all that stuff going on in Indianapolis over the next couple of days. Meanwhile, the Giants are going to release Kenny Galladay, according to Adam Schefter, when the new league year starts. No surprise there. As we talked about during the entire 9 o'clock hour and into touchdown at 10, Dan Snyder once again in the crosshairs of a new media report. According to ESPN's Don Van Natta Jr., a April 2020 financial report revealed that Snyder took out a $55 million credit line 16 months prior to that without the knowledge and required approval of his former three co-owners, who, of course, he then later on bought out. That is the subject, the primary focus, according to Van Atta and ESPN, of federal prosecutors in Virginia who are uh, investigating financial misconduct. And finally, yes, more Commander's News. They franchise-tagged, oh, by the way, De'Ron Payne, as we talked about, also over the first hour and a half of the show. More on that coming up, and that's what's trending.
0: When you have the instrumental versions of these songs. You miss the great.
1: Oh! Unless you have Pete Medhurst as your co-host who can ably fill in the gap.
0: Hey, man, I've often told you I can do that and I could sing a song, you know, that has like six lyrics in it. And that's it. Fly, Robin, fly. Up Up to the Sky, Silver Convention, Matt. Look that one up. Bring that to the, that's essentially the song. It's an instrumental version, three German women up on stage doing their shaking thing, which in the 70s was pretty stiff. Nothing like what these people do from a dancing perspective now. It looks like three tall German chicks on stilts, Mm. just kind of wearing, you know, hey, fly, Robin, fly, up up to the sky. That's literally the only words in the whole song.
1: It's kinda of like um, It went to number one on top of it. I don't have any file on that, but you remember the song Tequila? But um but um boom tequila. Do you think like do you that's think, the only word in the song. Do you think and it's like Dan mentioned like three or is four times drinking
0: a lot of tequila this morning? He better
1: be. He better be. Here's um first of all, thanks to Kim English, thanks to George Mason. Uh obviously making him available. Big win, senior night tomorrow night. Go check it out. Uh at Eagle Bank Arena. Now, here's my question. Um With everything that we have this morning from Van Atta, Mm -hmm. and again, people don't quite like always read through this stuff because it's complicated legal business mumbo-jumbo, but here's what you need to know. Again, there was a secret $55 million loan that Dan Snyder took out without the knowledge of his co-owners, without the approval of his co-owners, that they found out about in April of 2020, right after the pandemic, I'm sorry, right Yeah, right after the pandemic started, which led and spurred the divorce and the breakup and the nastiness that came from especially Dwight Charr, especially Dwight Charr, But also, don't forget, Fred Smith, FedEx Fred, he's the the one that really keyed in on the commander's name change because he said, FedEx out, we're gone. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, well, wait a second. And I think I even said it that morning on the Junkies. I said, why would Fred be turning? He's a partner of Dan. Like, why would he be spearheading this and threatening to remove FedEx? You know, FedEx from FedEx Field and the name change and all that. Well, now we 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 soon found out how nasty it was. We didn't know about this until this morning. Okay. But now we know they knew, they found out in April of 2020. When did that stuff come to a head, Pete? At like right around July 4th of 2020, okay? So they had a couple of months right there to build up a lot of anger and a lot of animosity. Again, the heart, the root of this is Dan Snyder took out a $55 million loan. And on top of pissing off to no end his three co-owners and doing it without approval... On top of all that, now that is the juxtaposition, or uh, juxtaposition is the wrong word, now that is the, 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 the crux, if you will, of the Eastern District of Virginia and the feds going after and investigating and looking into Dan along with the ticket money and all that stuff and everything that is still out there, okay? The federal grand jury, okay, which we found out about last week, from the Eastern District of Virginia has issued subpoenas for what they say is a cache of documents related to the team's finances, including the loan, okay? Prosecutors acquired the partner's NFL arbitration petition and other supporting materials, including emails and letters between team executives and bank lawyers, according to the documents. The criminal inquiry is led by a team of Fed FBI and IRS agents. So they've already gotten... They already gotten the prosecutors, the federal prosecutors, have already gotten the NFL's arbitration petition. Uh, what exactly, how exactly that works, I'm not sure. And other supporting materials, including emails and letters between team executives and bank lawyers. Okay, so, so just stop right there. Before you read any other thing, it was required to get approval. From the Washington Board of Directors, as you talked about earlier, violating the team's shareholder agreement. So Dan Snyder not only took out $55 million of funds for God knows what reasons, but on top of that, did not tell his co-owners, did not tell whoever else is on the team shareholder agreement side, Uh, apparently, maybe didn't tell the NFL until... They had to reveal it in the financial documents in April of 2020, and then it's just getting public now, three years later, okay? It's like the IRS bill that just showed up at my house yesterday from 2020. The state of Virginia said, oh, yeah, big fella, we miscalculated something. You owe us $1,300. Whoa! Yeah, exactly. Jeez. So we're just finding out about this now, as I just found out about my life yesterday. I did. Okay. I'm serious on that. From 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 the tax year 2020. Okay, so I guess where I'm going with this when when you when you have the story last night that leaked from the Washington Post that says Snyder wants the league to and owners to indemnify him, protect him basically against any future lawsuits, all this stuff, and the league in order to sell the team, and the league is saying. Yeah, that's ridiculous. We're now thinking about voting you out again? All of this being said, all of this thrown into the hopper, and everything that we dealt with yesterday, early on, Bezos, Tillman, Fertita, all this stuff, all of it. Pete, there's one option here, in my opinion. Roger Goodell, Jim Ursay, Bob Kraft, Jeffrey Lurie, John Mara, all these, all these people have to convene a special meeting ASAP, not at the end of March, ASAP, and get this guy to be voted on and get him out of the league. Wait, my friend. As
0: for Roger Goodell and his involvement here, Mm. we'll talk about that next. 301-230-0980. Dan Snyder running from the feds, allegedly uh, due to uh, several pieces of impropriety that have been alleged here. We'll talk about the league's involvement and why, why they were so gung-ho to let Dan Snyder, they were lending him money to get rid of those three guys who are now causing an awful lot of problems, not only for Dan, but maybe the league too. 301 It's Russell and Methurst till noon right here on the Team 980, streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.